That was in September. So what happened there? We weren't planning on going to, to Walt Disney World last year. This is the but... most accidental year of Disney I've ever heard of, and I love it. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> everybody to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And tonight we've got a couple of listeners from the show who emailed us and wanted to come on. And so we're excited to welcome Drew and his wife Haley to the show. Welcome, guys. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, glad we could come. Yeah, Yeah, we're excited. We're excited. So tonight's show is going to center around Drew and Haley's year of Disney. And so that's an exciting topic for us because we love the concept of just spending a year immersed in the warm, whimsical glow of Disney. Uh, We wish we could all have that right now. But Drew and Haley got to experience that. But before we dive into that topic, we like to start the show as we always do with just getting your Disney background. So Haley, do you want to kick things off with your Disney background and then we can hear from Drew? Yeah, I'd love to. So my first visit to Disney was Walt Disney World, and that was in the year 2000, so the Millennium Celebration. Um, I was about nine years old and got really into pin trading and fell in love with the parks. And I went another time or two with my family growing up. I'm sure Drew will get more into this, but we actually honeymooned at Walt Disney World. And that really kind of kicked off our obsession as a couple with all things Disney. That's awesome. Drew, so what's what's your Disney background? Yeah. So uh, originally I went for the very first time when I was about four back in 1991. I don't, about all I remember of that trip is writing It's a Small World over and over and over again. My mom told me that was the only thing that would make me stop crying. So, (laughs) but then I didn't go back. I, I of course loved all things Disney, had every VHS tape growing up, all those sorts things. But I didn't actually go back until we went on our honeymoon. And so we went back on our honeymoon and it's kind of like I rediscovered it and fell back in love with it, with the parks themselves. And so we went back on our first anniversary. We've been married coming up on seven years now and we've been back several times and of course have now started incorporating other things like Disneyland, Disney Cruise, Disneyland Paris and all those sorts of things. Well, let's dive into the this so-called year of, of Disney. Now, I want to start by saying that, Drew, I think in the, your email to me, you labeled yourself and Haley as childless millennials, in quotes. So <laughs> want to frame up for the audience that you guys are traveling to Disney a lot with without kids. Talk to us about how this, this year of Disney started. I think I'd start with you, Drew, right? Because it was a trip to Disneyland that kind of kicked things off. But why don't you talk folks through like how you ended up at Disneyland and, and what you got to do there? Absolutely. I ended up, my business had a need for someone to go out to Anaheim on a business trip. And I knew Disneyland was right out in Anaheim and I had never been. So when that opportunity came up, I gladly volunteered. (laughs) The great thing was that my company paid to fly me out there. They were paying for to stay in the hotel room. And so I would get up and go to the business meetings in the morning. And we were always done by about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. So as soon as we got done in the afternoon, I would hop in an Uber and off to Disneyland, I would go. Nice. That's perfect. Cause you can get a lot of time in at the parks if you're, if you're willing to kind of, you know, stay till, I don't know, nine or 10 PM, depending upon which park um, and the time of closing, you can get a lot of stuff in. 
And so what's also interesting about this trip, Drew, sort of implicit here, Haley is at home muttering under her breath because you're going to Disneyland and because this was a solo trip for you. What was that like going to a Disney park on your own? Yeah, it was very interesting. It was my first time. I'm uh, I grew up an only child, so I was kind I'm kind of used to doing things on my own, going to restaurants, going out to eat. It, it just kind of is something I've always been comfortable with. So, it was pretty natural for me to just get up and go on my own and but it it also made it really easy to like cut through lines and get through crowds. So, so I was actually there for uh, on a Wednesday and Thursday for my business trip. And what I convinced them to do was it was about $500 cheaper for me to fly back on a Saturday instead of a Friday. So I was like, it's cheaper for you to pay for me another night in the hotel, fly me back Saturday. So I actually just ended up taking off Friday and going over there all day. Yeah, that's the way to do it. That's some good Disney negotiating right there. (laughs) Good job. I mean, if I were you, I would have just, you know, if they had said no, I would have said, I'll pay for the extra night in the hotel. Just Yeah, just fly me back on Saturday, but even better, they paid for the extra night in the hotel. So I used my two half days and did California Adventure both those days while they were having their food and wine. And then I did my full day at Disneyland. And was this your first time at Disneyland, Drew? Yes, it was my first time. It was my first time on the West Coast. I had never been out there. I've pretty much covered up and down the East Coast, east of the Mississippi. I've pretty much hit them all, but uh, I'd never been really out on the West Coast very much. And so what what struck you the most about Disneyland? You know, the first time experience with Disneyland can be really sort of interesting if you're you know, your prior experiences with Walt Disney World, it's a very different environment in some ways. And so especially California Adventure. Yeah. What what stood out to you most as your first experience at Disneyland? I loved them all for their uniqueness. I it was really easy to get around Disneyland for me. I guess it's a little bit smaller, more compact, but I loved the uniqueness of like even though they had some similar things, they're uniquely themed and it was also just like emotionally important to me to like really walk and be where Walt was in the park that he like really built and finished and you know to see his candle in the window, the light in the window and all that stuff was like emotionally kind of like big for me. So that was February. That was February. So continue with the year of Disney. You then embark not to Disney World, but to Disneyland Paris. Is that right? Yeah. So my one of my good friends from high school lives in Paris. She works at the Louis Vuitton on the Champs-Élysées. And so we had planned this group trip to visit her. Drew and I had gotten there about a half a week before. We were trying to figure out what we were going to do with that those extra few days. We looked at going to Normandy and he was like, I really just want to go to Disneyland Paris. And I was like, we really going to go all the way to Europe and go to Disney? And we were like, yeah. Yes, we are. And we didn't didn't make that decision until like a few weeks before our trip, actually. So this was in um, at the very May of of 2019 that we did this. Just to go to Disneyland Paris. I think you've got to go to Europe to experience Europe and make Disneyland an add-on. But yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely what we did. And and we are super glad. It was actually, we loved Paris, but it was actually one of our favorite parts of the trip. Well, I was going to ask, like, was it worth it to take the time out of the trip to visit Disneyland Paris? Did you find find that to be a good a good thing? It sounds like you did. 
I think, yeah, definitely for us it was. I mean, maybe if you're not as Disney obsessed as we are, but we're all, um, you know, here talking on this Disney podcast for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, anybody else listening to this podcast is going to be similarly obsessed. So perspective, it was absolutely worth it. Yeah, they, they actually have our favorite version of several of the rides that are, you know, universal kind of across several parks. The ones that we've been to, they have our favorite version of several rides. Ooh, tell us. Yeah, which ones? Which ones? Definitely Big Thunder Mountain. Yes. Theirs is by far my favorite Big Thunder Mountain. It's really cool because they've got like a little lake or pond or whatever, and you actually go underneath the water and then you come out on this island, and that's where the majority of the attraction takes place. And so that's like the very first thing that happens when you get on the ride. It's pretty thrilling, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's it's definitely the most thrilling of the Big Thunder Mountains, and I, I just think it's the best. It's incredible. You just it goes very quickly under the ocean. You pop up, and the Big Thunder Mountain is kind of in the island, in the middle of the lake. We're huge Star Wars people, so we also really enjoyed Hyperspace Mountain. Um, it's a little bit like thematically inconsistent because it used to be themed to Jules Verne's From the Earth to the Moon, and so there's still like all the trappings of that, but then they just sort of like slap some banners on it to make it hyperspace mountain on the outside. <laughs> but when you start the ride, you go around this like first curve into the area where it looks more like normal space mountain where you're in the dark and it starts with the Star Wars music and you're just like, yes. Well, and I think in the email you sent, Drew, you mentioned, I think you, their Phantom Manor was one that you guys preferred oh, yeah. over there. Is that right? Yes, it's it's a little bit difficult because, you know, it's part of it's in French and part of it's in English. So you don't necessarily kind of get the whole story because unless you speak French. But what you do get, it kind of sits up on a hill and just the, the vantage point of it, it looks incredible in the park. And the ride itself, it's kind of hosted by the bride from the other rides. They really kind of She's a very important figure and she kind of welcomes you onto the ride. They kind of emphasized her importance. And I just thought it kind of told a, a slightly different but interesting story. Yeah, I think it almost has a different plot line and it almost takes place in a different universe, I guess, than the haunted mansions that we're familiar with in the United States. And something that I would recommend for anybody that, that goes or anybody that's interested, once you have decided that you don't care about spoilers, it's really cool to actually Google the backstory because it really just adds a lot to your experience of kind of knowing what's going on. Um, as Drew said, if you don't speak French, which we do not. Well, and, and so backing up a second, I did want to ask, you mentioned that you sort of planned this trip kind of a few weeks before you left. What was that like planning a trip over to the park? So we booked it ourselves. We I read a lot beforehand. In particular, I use Disney Tourist Blog. He has a lot of uh, Tom has a lot of great information on how to book a trip to Paris. I used a lot of his information. And then one trick I used was whenever you're booking Disneyland Paris, they actually have different websites for different countries that you can easily kind of switch between. And different countries will actually have different promotions and different things that you can get in that moment. And pricing too. Oh, interesting. We didn't actually end up booking on the U.S. version. We booked in pounds through the British version because it was significantly cheaper to book our rooms and tickets through the British version because of some kind of promotion that they were having. That's a really good tip. Well, and, and you, my sense is that the Disneyland Paris, you're booking packages. It's usually resort ticket dining packages together. Is that what you guys booked? 
Yes. So we stayed on property in their Sequoia Lodge. I, it would probably be most akin to like Wilderness Lodge. And so we booked and we stayed three nights there. It was within walking distance. They kind of have a, a downtown Disney area as well with several restaurants and a movie theater and things like that. Probably more akin to Disney Springs than downtown Disney in California. But it's all very walkable. They were actually, they're building the new New York hotel that has all the Marvel stuff when we were over there. How did you guys decide on the Sequoia Lodge? Mostly based on price. We didn't particularly have a preference. I mean, we had read, again, on Disney Tourist Blog, different hotel reviews, but we didn't really have a particular one that we were like dying to stay in. It was more about uh, than anything. And they do have versions of the packages that don't include dining. And I'm pretty sure that's what we did. We didn't do the dining because we were like, we'll just find food when we're hungry and eat it. I would actually say the food was probably one of the most disappointing parts of Disneyland Paris. We went to a few different places. Our favorite was probably actually Agrabah Cafe, which is kind of a buffet of like Middle Eastern and Mediterranean food. And that was all right. I would even venture to say that one was delicious, actually. Yeah, okay. Then we also tried like their Toad Hall and didn't love it. And we also did Captain Jack's, which is in Pirates of the Caribbean, like the restaurant out in Disneyland is. Also, something to that was a little unexpected with Disneyland Paris is that you don't really know in advance what the food options are going to be. You have to just sort of find out what's open when you get there because they're really inconsistent with which restaurants are open when. But I mean, it's not horrible, disgusting, gross food. It's just not amazing, outstanding food. Right. Did you find it to be like below normal Disney standard? Is that kind of what I'm hearing from you? I would say so. And granted, our normal Disney standard, we, we're not like just, you know, chicken fingers and burger type people. Like we usually try to seek out some of the more unusual offerings um, at whatever park we're at. So when you take like what we were used to with some of the more superior offerings, I think at Walt Disney World, it was definitely underwhelming. But again, serviceable. And you're not really going for the food. Right. Nobody's really going to Disney, any Disney park specifically for the food, right? I, well, I except for know. maybe like some, you know, a Dole Whip or, you know, there are some, there are, I will say there are some individual. Victorian Alberts. There are some specific, Epcot, listen. They have a food and wine festival. <laughs> no, they, there are some specific offerings at Disney, Disney World and Disneyland that are really quite good. Victorian Albert, Snapper Rose, um, Steakhouse 55. Like there are some really good offerings, but most of the stuff I think in the parks is decent, but they're not super high-end restaurants that are in the parks. No, not, not in the high-end, but I, yeah. you do, I think, I think. But there's some good snacks. You do expect (laughs) the prices you're paying to be in the park and get food. I think you're expecting a certain level of food. And especially, again, I go back to you. You're in France. Like, yeah, I agree. Disney has a movie about the quality of food in France. And so so not to meet that standard is a little bit frustrating. And how did so to go back first to the hotel? How did you find the hotel? Yeah, I think it was definitely at least a moderate. It was maybe that kind of in between, maybe to a moderate or a deluxe. So- I, th- I think he's being a little generous. It was, <laughs> I, it was, it was, it was serviceable. The bed was comfortable. It was fine. I would say moderate is definitely. I think the room is a moderate, and the rest of the resort is more like a deluxe. I think the distinction. Yeah, I would. I would concur with that. I would concur with that. Before we move on, I did want to say one of my favorite parts about Disneyland Paris, which was just how beautiful it is. 
I think it's a beautiful park that I've, I've been to. Part of it is just like the landscaping and the theming of the, the different lands within Disneyland Paris. The Walt Disney Studios Park, which is like their sort of Hollywood Studios equivalent, is really just like a half day, not that special park. But Disneyland Paris, Park Disneyland, is gorgeous. And they, their castle is the coolest thing ever. It has a dragon underneath it. The castle on a hill and then there's a dragon under it. The whole thing, they really put in a, a lot of effort, I think, sometime in the last 10 to 15 years, I want to say, refurbishing and making the park look pretty. It really has paid off because I took so many pictures of just the landscape and the themed environments. I, I love that type of thing. So it it's much prettier, I think, than anywhere at Walt Disney World. Not that Walt Disney World is not attractive, but Disneyland Paris was just like, wow. We were there in springtime too. So although it was kind of actually seasonably cold, it was like 40 degrees and raining. So (laughs) it didn't feel like it was. (laughs) Well, probably made for less crowded parks. How crowded was it? I don't think it was very crowded at all. We were, I mean, we got everything done. We rode pretty much everything we wanted to multiple times. And so I, I don't think it was very crowded at all. They're still doing paper fast passes at Disneyland Paris also. So you don't, that's the nice thing about it. You're, if you're you're used to planning for a Walt Disney World trip, you're used to having to go and do your Fast Pass Plus allocations, you know, months in advance, knowing what what things you want to ride, and you don't have to do that with Disneyland Paris. You can just do the old school Fast Pass dash. You can be a little bit more spontaneous, and we never really had an issue being able to ride anything we wanted to ride. So, what about Remy? Did you did you ride the Ratatouille ride? Yeah, we did. Remy, Remy is the star of their Hollywood studios. It and the Crush uh, ride are really about the only two things. They have a Tower of Terror. They do have a Tower of Terror, but they're the only kind of unique things that are really worth going and kind of doing. But the Remy ride's incredible, and I'm really looking forward to it coming to Florida in Epcot and getting more people to experience it. It's it, The trackless, how the trackless ride works is really interesting. I just, I have one other question here before we move on, which is just the service, the cast member interaction service at Disneyland Paris. Did anything there that you notice that might be different from your experience at the U.S. parks? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's funny because we actually ran into the people who do Disney Tourist Blog when we, when we were at Walt Disney World later in our year of Disney. And they, the thing they asked us when we said we went to Disneyland Paris was, how was the service? And it's not going to be that like effusive, enthusiastic, super smiley kind of American service that you're used to getting in the United States where, you know, people have to work for tips. Like in general, in France, your server is paid a living wage. They don't live off of tips at all. So they're not going to be kind of falling all over themselves to make you happy in that same way. And that doesn't mean it's a bad experience. You just have to kind of accept that you're in a different culture and things work differently. And it's not a bad experience. It's just different. Well, let's move forward in your year of Disney. So the trip to Paris was when? May. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now we're off to, I believe, Walt Disney World. When when did we head to Walt Disney World? That was in September. So what happened there? We weren't planning on going to, to Walt Disney World last year. This is the but... most accidental year of Disney I've ever heard of, and I love it. Keep going. <laughs> Yeah, it really, it was just sort of happened that way, but it ended up being amazing. So we ended up at Walt Disney World because one of my coworkers had Disney Vacation Club points that were going to be expiring at the end of his use year. Wife was having twins and they were not going to be able to use them. And he offered them to me for like $100 a night. And we were like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. So we booked a pretty last minute trip with his Disney Vacation Club points. I finagled an extra night um, out of my company because we actually have a client in Orlando that I was able to go visit. 
We're working the system. Over yeah, here. you guys are you guys are like the MacGyver of the work trip add-ons. I love it. Yeah, it, it worked out that way, which was nice. But I we actually stayed because we we were kind of cobbling this all together at the last minute. We stayed in three different resorts during this trip. Three nights at Saratoga Springs, which with the the rented DVC points, and then we also had first night at Pop Century, which I say was like our most expensive nap ever because we were literally only checked into that hotel for about five hours. <laughs> And then we stayed in Port Orleans French Quarter on our last night because our trip dates had to shift kind of even more last minute due to Hurricane Dorian coming in. So uh. our original flight was, was actually delayed by a whole day. And so we just rearranged our trip a little bit. This is the first week of Star Wars, of Galaxy's Edge being open. We wanted to go down. Yeah, so we got there. We got up and went to the parks really early. Like we saw sunrise on Batuu. It was very early. <laughs> What were some of the highlights out of the trip to Disney World for you guys? Like, you know, uh, you stayed at three different places. Did you have a favorite, favorite, some favorite food things that you experienced, those sorts of things? Yeah, well, we've stayed at Pop Century before. I think, I actually think out of the three, our one night at French Quarter was probably our favorite. Yeah, I think the theming is really cool at that resort. And as Drew has mentioned before, it's a really compact resort. It only has one bus stop, so you're not spending much of your time just riding around the resort, which was like probably my least favorite was Saratoga Springs because it's so big. This was our first time staying in any kind of DVC room. So that was cool to experience that. Well, so what, while you were there, you also got to experience Epcot food and wine. What was, what was that like? Yeah. So it, it was definitely interesting because after the hurricane, everywhere we went had incredibly low crowds. I think that that made it really easy. We could just walk around to the different food booths. There wasn't really like uh, any kind of long lines to wait in. So we would actually go there and kind of have dinner. That's usually what we do. We have went several times during food and wine. We got married in September. So it's usually food and wine when we go. Yeah, so that was definitely a highlight for sure. It's always good to try new things. And we this was our first time experiencing Toy Story Land too. So that was really fun. Loved Slinky Dog Dash. That was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed all the food in Hollywood Studios, at, at, specifically at Galaxy's Edge. Docking Bay 7 was good. Drew was kind of obsessed with Ronto Roasters. <laughs> Ronto Roaster is my obsession, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I actually love the uh, breakfast one. I know a lot of people are in love with the the one you can get for lunch and dinner, but I actually really like the uh, breakfast Ronto Roaster. Haley, you mentioned early on that you guys have, you know, you seek out some of the better food options at Disney. I'm curious, you know, just generally speaking, what are some of your guys' favorites at Walt Disney World? Yeah, I think abs- one of our favorites is at Animal Kingdom. We absolutely love Sanaa down in the basement of Animal Kingdom. We always request to get a Savannah view so we can sit out there and watch the animals. The bread service at Sanaa is probably the best bread service anywhere that I've ever had. It's incredible. You do have to pay for the bread service, but it's it's non-bread and it, it comes with like seven different sauces to put with it. And you could almost just gorge yourself on the bread service and not <laughs> the meal but the meal is also amazing so it's Sanaa is a place that we pretty much have to eat every time we go to Walt Disney World because it's just our favorite what are what are some of the other uh favorites Haley uh, we love 50s primetime cafe we're addicted to peanut butter and jelly milkshake <laughs> uh, 
the, the primary draw, I'm not going to lie. You can also get that milkshake at the Tune-In Lounge, so you don't even have to have the sit-down meal if you don't want to. Ooh, good tip. Uh, a really good pork chop special that had like, it was like stuff with cheese, again, cheese. So they usually have a nice kind of the specials menu there as well. And then the theming is fun. And I think Hollywood Studios is probably one of the weaker parks when it comes to food for the most part. But usually 50s prime time is, is solid and tasty and a fun thematic experience as well, even if you're adults and don't have kids. We also ate at the Boathouse for the first time at Disney Springs, like a special anniversary meal that we did there. And I'm not a seafood person, but they do have steak as well. So I got a really delicious filet mignon and Drew got a swordfish yeah. that he really enjoyed. So I, th- I thought before we sort of move on to the final part of your year of Disney, just I wanted to do kind of a quick mid-show rapid fire around now that we've talked about all three of these parks, some of your favorites. And so I'm curious, you know, these these don't have to all be yes or no answers, but we start with Drew. I wanted to ask you, you did a solo trip to Disneyland. Would you do it again? Assuming Haley would allow you to do a solo <laughs> trip. Um, would, you, would you go solo again to a Disney park? Did you find that to be a fun experience? Absolutely. Especially Disneyland, I think, because of how compact it is and it's easy to get from one to the other. And if I was going alone, not on a business trip, I could stay right there close to property. I would absolutely do it again. I did want to hit on some of your favorites. I think you've already forecast some of these for us. And so but but I, I, just, I just did want to sort of get your impression on a few favorites here. So if, uh, so I want to start with like which park had your favorite Main Street that you've experienced. So, Haley, why don't we start with you? I really think Disneyland Paris actually has my favorite Main Street. The Main Street itself is really cool. You're leading up to the the prettiest castle. But another really cool feature of the Main Street at Disneyland Paris is they actually have this secondary promenade kind of behind the initial building. So if you're just trying to like get from point A to point B and you don't want to go through the crowds that are on the main part of Main Street or you need to get out of the rain, then you can take this kind of back promenade area, which was and it, it, that actually has a lot of cool backstory and decorations in it as well. So. It was a a neat feature. Drew, do you have a favorite Main Street? Yeah, I think mine would actually maybe be in California, just because I feel like that forced perspective, you really get it standing there in the park in California and just the emotional attachment, right? Like being there where Walt was and, you know, kind of walking that same area where he was, that was just um, pretty unique and special. And I think that that kind of factors into it. So continuing the theme here, favorite castle. For me, it was Disneyland Paris for sure. Yeah, I have to agree. Disneyland Paris. All right. So I think I know the answer to this one too, but best Space Mountain. Haley, you want to go first? I'm glad to get into Disneyland Paris again because I really like Star Wars. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Same for me. It, I, I enjoyed reading Jules Verne growing up. So seeing those elements in the queue and things and the outside of it, their whole Tomorrowland is themed to Jules Verne. So that was really cool. But then to get inside and for it to be Star Wars is over the top for me. It's upside down, so that's a huge difference from in the ones in the United States. So before, if you don't like going upside down, don't do Hyperspace Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Good tip. Uh, best Pirates ride? I'm probably going to go with Disneyland. It just seems like more in Disneyland. It, I, I don't know if it is longer. It feels longer. And every scene just feels better. I, I, it's hard to explain, but I, I like it more. And I haven't been to Disneyland California yet. It's definitely, of course, on my list. So having not been there yet, between Disneyland Paris and Walt Disney World, I'm definitely going to give the edge to Walt Disney World. Okay. On Pirates. 
Let me do this one for Drew, Drew. Let me get your impression on this solo here. I want to know best tower. I probably like Guardians of the Galaxy best. It could be. I love Marvel. I read comic books. I would have to go with Guardians of the Galaxy, but I think that at World going down and kind of through the boiler room and things like that, I really like that experience too. All right. Well, okay. So now we've got some of your favorites from the parks. There's no better way to cap off a year of Disney than with a Disney cruise. So I, I can't imagine a better way to cap off a year of Disney than a Disney cruise. So will you guys headed out on a Disney cruise in what, January of that year? Is that, is that right? Yes. Yeah, so January of this year, 2020. We, yep. 2020 for everything went crazy. We all, we flew down to San Juan, Puerto Rico and sailed on the Disney wonder on a Southern Caribbean seven night sailing. Nice. That's a really cool itinerary. I would love to sail. I've never been to San Juan, but I would love to sail not just to there, but out of there would be great. Yeah. And so the first question I have for you guys that we love to ask people who sail Disney Cruise Line kind of adults only is, you know, was it just your passion for Disney that made you head for Disney Cruise Line? Was it your prior experience with Disney Cruise Line? Did you sail other cruise lines? Like what drove you to Disney Cruise Line for an adult only sailing? Yeah, so we have not actually done any other cruise lines yet. Uh, we're hoping to try a Royal Caribbean in the Mediterranean next year, but we're just Disney obsessed. And everything we had read online, the, the Disney service that you're used to in the parks is like even better on the cruise line. So it didn't bother us at all to be adults by ourselves on a Disney cruise because we figured, you know, we can be immersed in Disney as much as we want. But if we, you know, don't want to do every character greeting, you know, things like that, we don't have to. So you're not like having to be around kids the whole time if you don't want to be. So it, it was good. And we do quite a bit of the adult-only entertainment on board. We go to a lot of the adult-only shows at night. In fact, this last time, we were actually part of... The Match Your Mate game. You were in Match Your Mate? You're, like, famous. We yeah. were in Match Your Mate, and we won Match Your oh Mate. Oh, my God. Okay. All right, so let's talk. Let's, let's give You're people- my new best friends, okay? I just want to let you know that. <laughs> <laughs> let's explain for listeners out there what Match Your Mate is. So Match Your Mate is an adults-only activity that they do on board the ship usually once a sailing it's one of the more popular adult activities and it is like the newlywed game the newlywed game yeah or the dating game i think a little yeah. bit some well more like the newlyweds yeah game uh but they typically pick three couples to come up on stage it's usually one couple who's newly married one couple who has been married for quite a while and then sort of a potpourri couple in the middle who's been married for you know some time but not nearly not as long years, as yeah, maybe not five as years maybe 10 yes. years and then, yeah. and then they ask you know they, they take one spouse out of the room and they ask the other spouse some typically some fun questions bordering on the risque and then uh, bring the other spouse back and they compare their answers and then, and then they swap. swap yeah so and the couple that gets the most sort of correct answers the, their answers line up wins the wins the game and some fabulous Disney prizes. So, so some swag. Yeah. So what was did you guys have fun playing? And and was we've heard from people who've played that, you know, once we were walking around the ship, everyone was pointing, you know, was coming up to us and talking to us because now they'd seen us on Match Your Mate. So what was it like playing in the game? Yeah, yeah absolutely. It was great. So to be able we were that third couple. We've been married about seven years, so we were not the shortest or the longest. But what we had to do was they brought us up in front of everyone and did a dance competition. And so we had to dance. I'm not sure how we won that, but we did. (laughs) And 
They did it by round of applause. Then we were the third couple selected. We got up there and they asked us the questions. And we only remembered because, of course, we've went and watched it on other sailings, but we only really remembered one question that they asked. That's the very last question that they asked. For people that have seen the show, you know what that uh, (laughs) is. So that one we knew. And we were prepared for, though I still got uh, about embarrassed to death and almost fell out of my seat. (laughs) But still, we did that and we actually won. We won rainforest passes. We won a hat for each of us and several other Disney swag items. Oh, cool. And we got a bottle of champagne as well. Yes. Nice. Yep. Nice. So it was fun getting recognized, but when Drew answered that last question, which is one of the more risque questions, we definitely got some interesting recognition for the rest of the year. (laughs) To the point, when we were flying home on our flight home from San Juan, there was a lady in front of us on the airplane that stood up and like looked at, like looked shocked for a second. And someone else in the airplane asked her if she was okay. And she said, yes, I just know way too much about this couple behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so sailing adults only, you guys get to avail yourselves of some of the, you know, areas of the ship that not everyone gets gets to participate in. What are some of your favorite adult areas and adult offerings on board Disney Cruise Line? Well, we love Palo. That is not to be missed. We do the brunch and the dinner usually on our sailings. And Palo, brunch, somebody in a Facebook group we're in just asked today, actually, what whether they should do brunch or dinner. And I'm like, I want to say both. But if you only have one, mm-hmm. I, I, so I tried to just give a description of what they're each like, because I, I like brunch because number one, that chicken Parmesan dish is the yes. best thing ever. Yes. It's obsessed with it. The other thing about brunch is it's really nice to see the ocean view and it's just so like light and airy in there and it's a different vibe when you're there for dinner. It's much more intimate and romantic and in general Palo on the Wonder is more intimate than the than Palo on like the Fantasy which is the other ship we've sailed on. So we, we love Palo. We were traveling with another couple that we met on our first Disney cruise actually. Oh cool. And we hit up there from Maryland. We're from North Carolina. We had not seen each other since our first cruise but we decided to go on another one anyway and, and so the wife and this couple has really severe food allergies to alliums, which is like garlic and leek and onions. And that's in like oh, everything. Oh, that's really hard at Italian food. She has a really hard time eating when she travels. Like when they've been to Europe, she has to mostly just eat dessert because it's so difficult for her to find things that she can eat. But we went to Palo and obviously garlic, onions, all of that's in a lot of Italian cuisine. But she explained to the to our server right off the bat what her food allergies were. And the chef went out of his way to make her all of these different items that she could want. She's also a pescatarian, so a lot of different food restrictions. But they went all out and gave her everything she could want in a, you know, friendly to her version. And she actually cried. She said she thought she would eat a meal this good in her whole life because of, you know, everything having to be so bland when you can't have garlic or onion in anything. And so she cried. She told the chef afterward that she was, you know, just over the moon. And I think they were really glad that we talked them into going to Palo. So that's just, that's the Disney difference, I think, in a nutshell, is that level of service and going out of your way to make someone's trip special. That's amazing. I love hearing that. That just like warms my heart because I, I mean, we're not a family with food allergies, but I have some friends who, you know, have some food allergies or other kind of food restrictions and going on vacation, I think can be very stressful if you've got any sort of food allergy or food restriction. And I have friends who really, when they go on vacation, they'll have to rent like Airbnbs so that they can cook for themselves. 
And the only places they will go outside of that are Disney properties or Disney Cruise Line because they're not concerned about the food issues. Absolutely. And they will actually in the main dining rooms, they will, number one, you have the same server all week or all sailing. So they, they get to know you and they will bring over the menu for the following night, the night before, if you have food allergies so that you can select in advance what you want. That way, you know that when you get there, there's going to be something that you can eat and you've already picked it out. So it takes away all of that stress and anxiety for sure. What are some of your other favorite things to do on board as adults? I mean, do you, do you like the adult pools, Cove Cafe? I know that you mentioned in the email to us, you, you guys are spa people. So like, what, what, what are the adult activities you really enjoy on board? Yeah, we, we like the pool area a lot. We usually go hang out there pretty routinely, at least for part of the day, hang out in the hot tub. And it's fun on a Disney cruise because everybody there generally likes Disney a whole lot. So, you know, when you're in the hot tub, you can kind of just enjoy chatting with other people about Disney stuff and get their opinions and compare notes on parks or, you know, different sailings or Disney Vacation Club, pretty much anything you'd want to talk about Disney related. We're always up for that. And we've done the spa a couple of times. We just have done couples massages. It's definitely pricier than it would be on land. I mean, I think that's to be expected. You're a captive audience when you're on board a ship like that. Quality of the massage was excellent though. So we've done it a couple of times. The first time we had it, it was very much a kind of high pressure on selling you different products after your massage, which I did not particularly care for. And they also like looked up our schedule. They were like, oh, you have a free day where you don't have an excursion when we're in such and such port. You want to come back for a And I'm like, no, I'm good. This is already for you. I don't need to do this again. Yeah. So, so uh, one tip I would give for this spa is a lot of times on port days, you can get special rates mm-hmm. and discounts at certain aspects of the spa. So what we typically do, what we've done both times is we will go on the first day and find out what that special is. And then we typically have scheduled on a port day at the very end of the port. So like if the port, if the back on uh, the ship time is say four, 4.30, we will schedule a massage for 3.30 so that we're still within that window, but we still have plenty of time to get off the ship and enjoy the, the port and see anything that we, we might want to see, but also of the special rate that you can get. Yeah, that's a great tip. We, we've we done a spa treatment on a port day, but I did not think to do it. I, we've done it. I've done it where I'm just planning on not getting off the ship. It also works the other in reverse, if you have a shore excursion through the cruise line, it's not departing until like later. So I think we had one where we were, our shore excursion didn't leave until like 10 or 11, 10 or 11, or might even been 12 o'clock. So we knew that we like weren't going to have to rush off the ship right away. Then we just started our port day by getting the massage and then you can go meet up with your excursion and they'll make sure to like that you have enough time to get your treatment, get changed, get and get to where you need to be to make your excursion. Well, you guys are also, I know from Drew's Mail, you guys are big into the shore excursions and you've done quite a few, uh, not wanting to go through each and every one, but any favorite shore excursions that you had off of this sailing? Um, snorkeling off Bonaire was really cool. We got to go out on a Samir ship, which is like a... It's like a Chinese junk yes. uh, sailing ship. And this particular one used to be owned by somebody who was in the CIA and it had a really cool backstory to it, which was neat. <laughs> oh, cool. 
Yeah. A, a very big backstory. But the cool thing was getting to sail on it. They would take you out to the reef and then we got to snorkel around the reef for a while and then go back to the ship. That one stood out to me. Mm-hmm. The one that I think stood out to me was the one that wasn't planned. We're big planners, but sometimes when we are spontaneous, it actually works out. So we were supposed to, in Antigua, we were supposed to do like a catamaran cruise around the island, but I guess there was a lot of wind that day and they ended up canceling it. So when your short excursion is canceled, you get your money back and you can kind of move on with your life. But our friends that we were traveling with didn't have a sports short excursion plan for that day either. And so we ended up just going and hiring a taxi driver to give us a tour of the island. And it was like $25 a person. And he said we didn't have to pay him until we, he got us back to port on time and safely. So that made me feel comfortable. You know, he wasn't just going to like take our money and leave us somewhere random. He took us everywhere that the other, the, the actual cruise line short excursion went. We would see all these big like tour groups from, from the ship and we were in all the same places. We just spent way less money to go to them. And if we wanted to spend more time somewhere or less time somewhere, then we could just say, hey, Chester, can we have a few more minutes? So that really worked out well. This was a really unique itinerary. Um, So I'm curious what you thought about Aruba and Bonaire and Curacao and if they were sort of similar to one another. And would you recommend going back? Absolutely. I would. We haven't done a lot of cruising yet. We're looking to do more. But it was definitely my favorite that we've been on so far. Just it's a different kind of atmosphere. I would say in all of those Southern ports, you don't have the same kind of like sometimes pushy sales tactics that you see in a lot of some of the other ports and things. You didn't, we didn't really encounter that anywhere in any of the Southern Caribbean ports. And because it's so far down there, I mean, we could see South America from our ship a lot of the time. And so because it's so far down there, there are a lot fewer ships. And so it's a lot less crowded crowded on Southern Caribbean itineraries, I feel. My favorite, I, I would probably again say Bonaire, though we did a tour all around Curacao and that was pretty interesting as well. Yeah, I think they have different perks because Bonaire is not really very developed. So Bonaire is great if you like nature and you like to snorkel. We liked Aruba um, we like, and we liked Curacao. I would probably say that I liked them about equally, I think. Um, just the architecture is really cool. It's that the Netherlands, but it's in the Caribbean, so it's warm. I, I would definitely recommend this itinerary. And I know it's that Disney Cruise Line does not always offer it, but when they do, I would definitely recommend jumping on it because it was delightful. And of course, you still stopped at Castaway Key, right? No. no. Oh, no. oh, interesting. We sailed, out, we sailed out of and back into San Juan, oh, so we never that. that far. What was it like sailing in and out of San Juan? Oh, we love San Juan. So we actually got an Airbnb with the couple we were traveling with and spent a few days in San Juan before we sailed out. And we were there during the San Sebastian Festival and that wasn't planned. It just sort of worked out that way. So we got to go to the festival, which was cool. And looking back on it now, it's like, wow, we were like somewhere with so many people. Thousands upon thousands of people. (laughs) And it was completely safe. Like we live in a different world now, but so that cool and we loved the food in San Juan and I'll let Drew talk about some of the food highlights. Yes, yeah, so for me personally, mafungo, which is 
plantains with some sort of meat and usually covered in like a garlic or chimichurri sauce. It's a staple there in Puerto Rico. And I loved it so much that when we came back, I had to seek out a Puerto Rican restaurant so that I could get it here and be able to still have it in my life. They have this fort that is built in the part of San Juan that's called Old San Juan. It's kind of where the, the original city was. And there's an incredible fort there that there's two forts that you can go and tour and have an absolutely beautiful view of the water. We're big history buffs. We go to museums and read every plaque. And so going there and kind of getting to experience that and seeing the beautiful views was incredible. Yeah, I've heard that's yep. walking distance to the port where the ships dock as well. So if you if you were sailing on one of the other cruise itineraries that stops in San Juan rather than that starts in, and ends in San Juan, you can get right off the ship and walk to Old Town and walk to the forts. And I think it's a, a part of a national park um, even. It is. It is. Yeah. The forts are actually part of the National Park Service. And unfortunately for us, when the Wonder docked, there were a couple other ships in port that were docked along the old uh, San Juan ports. And we had to go over and kind of go into the more industrial area to actually get on and off the ship. the boarding process was not the best in San Juan. There was a lot of confusion about where we should go and what line we should be in and where to drop off our bags. What you and, can, whether you can bring a whole bottle of wine on board or not. Yeah. You can. You totally can. So the boarding, getting off the ship was fine, but boarding was a little difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think hitting on the food. One more thing I want to point out that if you are going to the beach, in, in Condado, in Condado, which is where we stayed, there is a lady. If you get on Yelp, her it's just empanada lady. And she just walks up and down the beach with these warmer bags full of empanadas and sells them to you on the beach. And it, and they are the best empanadas I've ever had in my life. They're <laughs> like five hours and they're delicious. Oh my yeah. God. As we round out your amazing year of Disney. What's next for you guys? Is there another year of Disney planned in the future? Are we going to make it over to the Asian parks at some point? You know, what, uh, what, what's up next? The Asian parks are definitely on our bucket list, but not quite yet. So we have a trip coming up in November. We were going to do the Seven Night on the Dream, the first one it had ever done. We were set to go on it, but given COVID and everything that's happened, we decided to cancel that. And so we're going back to Disney World this fall. And then next September, we're going on an Alaskan cruise. So that's 2021. Yes, nice. Alaskan cruise. 2021. So we'll be back on the wonder. We're hoping to request our same server. She was excellent. And I mean, really every time we've had a server with Disney Cruise Line, they've been great. But we're really happy to see Alaska. I think it'll be a nice change up from the Caribbean. Love the Caribbean, especially in January, but it'll be cool to see a different kind of scenery. Sure. Well, yeah, and Vancouver well, is just a gorgeous city. We're gonna have to give and, you some recommendations. Yeah, we'll give you some some food recommendations off air that, uh, that we love. And if you guys are foodies, it will be fantastic for you. And so, yeah, Vancouver is a gorgeous city. Alaska is a gorgeous place. We're we haven't sailed to Alaska. I've been to Alaska uh, a couple times as a kid with my dad. So it's a gorgeous place. You guys will have a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah, and, if you uh, can get a couple of days in Vancouver ahead of time. Yeah, or after. Or after. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, 
on doing a free uh, a few pre night stays in Vancouver so that we can go see some things and and eat with your from your recommendation. Well, let us head into our favorite part of the show or Sam's favorite part of the show, which is the rapid fire round. We did a few rapid fire questions mid show just while they were still fresh, but uh, we always like to cap off the show with some of your personal Disney favorites. So, Sam, you want to take away the rapid fire? Yeah. Okay. So the only rule of rapid fire is there are no rules. Uh, so we'll start with what is your favorite Disney or Pixar character? And I'll throw this to Haley first. Oh, gosh. Okay. The first thing that came to mind is Princess Jasmine. So I guess we're going to go with that. All right. And you, Drew. Yep. I love Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Your favorite Disney or Pixar movie. Let's start with you this time, Drew. Favorite movie currently, probably Inside Out. I love it. it I, I have struggled personally with... Um, health issues and so how it's handled and dealt with and kind of seeing the inside of the psyche just really spoke to me in a very particular way and so it really is my favorite right now what about you Haley? favorite disney or pixar movie i was torn between the lion king and beauty and the beast so i can i can it be a tie <laughs> yeah there's no rules right so there you go <laughs> favorite song Haley? we'll start with you a whole new world, I think. Nice. Well, there goes Jasmine. Weird one, but I think I'm going to have to say Gaston. I love villain songs, and I think Gaston is Gaston or Be Prepared are way up there for me. Yeah. Okay. Favorite Disney park. And I'm going to be more specific, and I'm not asking you Disneyland versus Disney World versus Disneyland Paris. I'm asking what park individually. So Magic Kingdom, Disneyland Park. So let's start with you, Drew. I will have to go with Hollywood Studios, in part because I am just a huge Star Wars fan. So having the access to Galaxy's Edge, the exterior of their star tours is incredible. And with new additions like Toy Story Land and Mickey's Runaway Railway, it's really stepping up its game and got a lot of new great things. And so I think right now it's Hollywood Studios. Cool. What about you, Haley? I think it's a tie between Park Disneyland, which is the Castle Park in Paris, and Epcot. Nice. Those are great. Okay. Favorite land. Now you don't have to pick the, a land that exists in your favorite park. It could be any of the land. So it could be Toy Story Land, Cars Land, Galaxy's Edge, whatever you like. Uh, Haley, we'll start with you. I really like, they call it Frontier Land over there too, in Park Disneyland, where they've got the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and Phantom Manor. Cool. Drew, what about you? Yeah, mine is also in Park Disneyland, and it is their Tomorrowland. Which is That's actually Discoveryland. Discoveryland, right, yes. It's all themed to Jules Verne. It's got a very kind of classic steampunkish feel, and I just really love the aesthetic there. Favorite classic ride or attraction? So we'll start with you, Drew. Classic ride or attraction? My favorite classic ride is probably Haunted Mansion. Cool. Haley, what about you? I think I love Space Mountain. Space Mountain is really fun and just, I always just get this sense of excitement going through the queue. Okay, your favorite modern ride or attraction. We'll start with you, Haley. Ooh, I think my favorite, I haven't ridden Rise of the Resistance yet, so I, I probably will say that after I ride it. But for now, I will go with um, the Tower of Terror at Hollywood Studios. What about you, Drew? 
Yes. So my favorite modern attraction would have to be Flight of Passage because I have not rode Rise of the Resistance yet. Okay. Your favorite Disney snack. You have an answer. Go ahead. I am going to go against the grain, not with the popular Dole Whip, but with the citrus swirl instead. So I, I just like orange more than I like pineapple. So, you know, having pretty much the same thing, but with orange is, is better for me. I hear you. What about you, Haley? I am going to go with the brioche ice cream sandwiches at L'Artisan de Glace in the France Pavilion in Epcot. That's a great one. Okay, so we're going to move gears just a couple. I'm going to ask you a couple of cruise-specific rapid-fire questions. I know you guys have been on the wonder and the fantasy. So wonder versus the fantasy. We'll start with you, Haley. Which one's better? Love the fantasy. Love. I don't mind that it's larger. I think there's more to do. And I really love the theming of the adult area, Europa, on the fantasy. What about you, Drew? Yeah, it's the fantasy for me as well. I love that you have a little more to do. It has that extra adults-only area with Satellite Falls. And we always enjoy doing Midship Detective Agency. Your favorite rotational dining restaurant of, of the ones you've been to, what's your favorite rotational dining? Drew, we'll start with you. Tiana's place. That one's pretty easy for me. I like the show aspect of Animator's Palette, but I think Tiana's place with the show and, you know, Louie coming around playing his trumpet and Tiana dancing and singing. I love New Orleans Cajun food anyway. <laughs> so getting more of that is always a good thing. So I'm going to go with Tiana's place. Haley, what about you? Favorite rotational dining? I love Animator's Palette. We had the unique experience this past cruise of being at Animator's Palette on Pirate Night. And they had some really cool pirate concept art that they had playing up on the, the video screens during dinner, which I really enjoyed. Okay. Favorite Disney souvenir. Haley, why don't we start with you? So I, we definitely love our pin collection. I'm also really fond of, we got drawings of Beauty and the Beast and Carl and Ellie from Up on our honeymoon that we have on display in our home. So those also have a nice sentimental value for me. Cool. What about you, Drew? Mine is by far my lightsaber that I got to build at Soft's last year when we went to Galaxy's Edge. That whole experience is incredible. I've loved Star Wars since I was a little kid. So getting to pick out and build my own lightsaber and then have it come on in the with the kyber crystal that I picked, I was it was like I was an eight-year-old again. Okay, so my last question is just a memorable moment that you've had. It could be on Disney Cruise Line. It could be at one of the Disney parks. But if you can think of a, a really nice moment you guys had on one of your trips. Drew, let's start with you. I think it's, I mentioned it earlier, but this past cruise, we set up on deck, we got great seats. And on one of our sea days, we just sat there with the other couple with us and we watched all of Moana. The, the deck was actually pretty clear. And just the experience of watching that while we were on the ocean, that moment when, spoiler alert, her grandmother passes away and the spirit uh, comes out into the water, I started crying because it was just very emotional to be on the ocean and be having this experience watching this movie. Moana is probably one of my favorites of the kind of new movies. And so I think that's my one of my most recent favorite memories. 
That's a great one. What about you, Haley? So I think that for me, just the magic of being on our honeymoon, it was Drew's first time at Disney since he was a little, little kid. So it was basically like all new to him because he didn't have that many memories from his first trip. And so we just like, he just walked around like looking like one of those heart eye emojis, like the entire, he was just so happy. Plus we had that newlywed glow going on and it was like the first time we've really taken a trip together. We got married pretty young. I was right out of college. So it was like our first big trip together. And it was, wow, this is amazing. And actually stayed in the magic kingdom until three o'clock in the morning one night, which was really, really fun. And we got to see the kiss good night at the end of the, the very, very day, which was really cool. That's awesome. That is a great, I mean, I can't imagine a better way to spend a honeymoon, to be perfectly honest. And and that may be weird to non-Disney fans, but to your point, they're probably not listening to this podcast. So, but yeah, I, I think that's a great way to spend your honeymoon. That sounds like an awesome, an awesome experience. Well, Drew, Haley, it's been great talking to you about this fantastic, if a bit accidental, year of Disney. Um, And uh, I hope you have many more Disney trips in your future. And we'd love to have you back on to talk about these cruises that you're going to take or if you head over to the Asian parks. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience with us. Thanks for having us. We enjoyed it. Our pleasure. this week's episode as much as we did. It was really fun to talk to Drew and Haley about their year of Disney, as accidental as it was. What a fun experience to be able to go to Disneyland Paris, Disneyland out in California, hit up Walt Disney World, and take a Disney cruise all in a year. That sounds like a really fantastic way to spend a year, frankly. So so really enjoyed talking to uh, Drew and Haley about that. Uh, I did want to thank everyone out there for uh, bearing with us as we took a week off last week. I was in the hospital part of the last week with uh, serious illness and um, and on the mend, still not fully recovered, but feeling much better than I did. So just thanks to everyone for hanging out with us and listening to the show. Really appreciate it. Got lots of messages from listeners and guests, and uh, it was it was just really nice to hear from folks. And the support was fantastic. So really appreciate it. Also want to remind everyone about the Turkey Lurkey 5K. I don't know that I will be able to participate this year, but we are still going to give it a go. Um, I may try to get out there and walk at least a little bit over the course of the week to make up that 5K. So as always, it's a walk, run, crawl, do whatever you can just to get outside and uh, support a good cause, the Autism on the Seas Foundation. And again, that uh, Turkey Larky 5K is being co-sponsored with us by Rope Drop Radio and the DCL podcast as well. So get out there, get a little activity, help us support a good cause. Remember to post photos of you doing the Turkey Lurky 5K and uh, hashtag them with the Turkey Lurky 5K hashtag. Post them up on Instagram and Twitter and tag us as well at DCL Duo and we'll put you into a drawing for some fun prizes. There's more information on a bonus episode we released. I believe it's bonus episode 34, but there's a more information and a bonus episode out there if you want to hear more about all the fun that we're going to have with the Turkey Perky 5K. With that, I did want to just thank everyone out there as always for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also be sure to leave us a five-star review over at Apple Podcasts. Those reviews are helpful in making the podcast more visible to folks who might be searching for our content. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at DCL Duo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Thank you.